Thank you, Jesus, so very much. Father, we receive right now all that you have for us, each of us, we receive. You know, one time I was in Wisconsin, and you know, sometimes when you're preaching, God will speak through you, and you hear it and go, oh, oh, I didn't know that. And God spoke through me, and he said, some of my church, my people, my children, are wonderful givers, but they don't know how to receive. And I began to, you know, when God says something like that, it's good to pay attention. So I began to to really look into what he meant and begin to seek him and ask him. You know, if you don't know, ask him and be specific. Don't say, oh, I don't hear from God. Don't worry about it. He'll find a way to get the news to you. Usually in a day or two. Might come through a person, might come through a radio program, might come right through the scriptures, usually the scriptures. But you ask him the question in your heart and just wait. God will talk to me. He doesn't, you go back and say, excuse me, what was that about? So I began to ask him about receiving. And this isn't about just finance. We were talking about finances that day, but this is about everything. Jesus died for us to receive so many things. Every Bible promise, did you know that every promise, it says is yes and amen? You know what that really means? It already belongs to you by covenant right legally. The minute you were born again, if you were born again and you truly, you said the prayer and you really meant it, not only were you recreated in the image of God on the inside, right? Our outside is still a little questionable, right? But we carry this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure is something that is made in the image of God, and that's the real you. Isn't that amazing? So don't be so hard on the old you. We're to reckon the old you dead. That's what it says. The old man, we're supposed to reckon him dead and live out of that inner man. See, so when God looks at you, he's seeing something so lovely. And we got to stop looking at each other according to our outsides. We have to start looking at each other according to what's on the inside. In other words, when I look at you, I'm not, we, I'm just being brutally honest here. I feel like I can do that. We have a lady that sometimes comes to our meetings, and and I'll be honest, she's kind of mean. She's mean. And we love her. She didn't mean, oh. And, you know, I I think, well, maybe she's in pain, or maybe she's got a, a problem. You know, God bless her. But you know what? My job, if I do it right, and it isn't always easy, is to look on the inside. Who is she on the inside? Because I promise you, on the inside, she's as lovely as Jesus. And my job is to help that, you know, think of the lion with a thorn in his paw. What if I could get the thorn out and we see the real sweet lady that's on the inside? That's our job, to help each other become who we really are, our true identity. And that is not my message, but I thought I would share it. But I began to ask God about receiving, and I discovered that we can receive every Bible promise, because instead of begging God, right, a lot of us, we beg and we beg and we, you know, in my old days when I was young, I didn't know these principles. God had to teach me. God had to walk me out of depression. I lived in depression for years. I, I actually had suicidal thoughts every day, and nobody knew it. But I knew God. I was a Christian. Do you hear me? We think that, you know, everybody should just be joyful once they're born again. But the fact is a lot of people are born again and still struggling. And, and, you know, do you remember if people witnessed to you often, they'd say, there's a God-shaped vacuum in you, and that God will fill that. But here's the news. People would get born again and say, well, I still have a vacuum. And that's because there is a way to fill it with God that we haven't yet learned. And I hadn't yet understood that. And so today... um, Lord willing, I feel like I'm supposed to tell a little bit of my story because God brought me from being the most abject failure as a Christian. I was in church three times on Sunday, once on Wednesday. I was an intercessor. I was in charge of the counseling ministry, but I was failing 
I was emotionally ruled. I was led by my emotions. My emotions led me around, ruled my life. My emotions were like the stock chart. How are you today? Oh, I'm terrible. Oh, I'm great. Oh, I'm Because my emotions were based on the circumstances. That is not true Christianity. So I want to talk about another kind of Christianity that God had to teach me. He had to lovingly rebuke me. Hallelujah. That's always so fun. You know, you get the Holy Ghost from heaven. You know, <laughs> He's very gentle and kind, but he had to tell me, Holly, you're whining and you're begging and you're complaining and you're begging me to do something and even blaming me because I made a promise and you don't see it done. But he said, guess what? I'm not the problem. And guess what else? The devil isn't the problem. Holly, you're the problem. You know, I'll be honest with you. And so that day changed my life because it was, I was like, thank you. Here I was blaming the devil, I was blaming you, and you're telling me I'm the problem. I can do something with that. I can work on that. So I began to change my life and really go after God to find some secrets. So let me back up a little. When I was in my uh, 20s, and I had been saved at 15, my family was not Christian, my parents were not Christian. Um, they took us to a church that was, I'm pretty sure, not Christian. They never, they didn't talk about born again. They didn't preach out of the Bible. They preached politics in the Reader's Digest. Seriously. And even as a little child, I remember being about five or six years old and thinking, I know I don't know God, but I know they don't know God. And somehow I knew that. Now, the bad news is, because of that experience, I believed that the churches didn't know him. So when I met him, I had a real God encounter in my bedroom where I met Jesus. Electricity filled my body from head to toe. It was like electric joy in every cell. I fell on the floor and for about 20 minutes, all I knew is Jesus Christ is real. He's the real and living God. That's what I knew. But I didn't know what you were supposed to do with it. I didn't even know if God had written the Bible. That's how truly ignorant I was. And so, fast forward 11 years, I'm still trying to live life like everybody else. I sinned like everybody else, right? I went to college like everybody else. I backslid like everybody else. I didn't know how to front slide. You know, all I knew was sin. Deep down, I knew God was pulling on me and calling me, and I knew he was real. And so, I ran my life, and I, of course, ran it into the ground. Ruined it completely. Got it so messed up that it was hopeless. And, you know... During those days, I would give God areas in my life. And every area I gave him became a booming success. I gave him my financial life. He turned that into amazing things. But I wouldn't give him one area. And that area became a disaster. So, as one man said, my lightning fast mind, at the age of 26, I realized, if I give it to God to let him be Lord over it, he will make it glorious. If I don't, it's going to be a mess. No matter how bright my decisions are, no matter how much I think it through, I can write the pros and cons on the sheet. And I'm, I'm a very logical person. And just so you know, I was a systems analyst for 39 years. And I was born thinking that way. I think I'm very analytical. So, you know, I can make a decision, by golly. But you know what I found? My decisions were not as good as his. And so at the age of 26, I got on my knees again and I said, this time I'm doing it right. I'm making one decision today, and that's that you are Lord and I am not. I'm not making any more decisions. You are making them all. You are going to run my life because everything you do is right. Everything you say is right. All your judgments are correct. Mine aren't. But that presented me with a problem. Now I've got to hear his voice. How do I know what you're saying to me? I'm reading the Bible. You know, now I'm really reading it. Well, a woman came into my life that was a lady preacher. 
This lady had a sixth grade education. She was raised in Las Vegas in a very rank, you know, rank center home. And she was a cocktail waitress in the, in the casinos when she got saved. She was about to commit suicide and God encountered her. God showed up in her house. She got saved and she was addicted to cocaine. She had a, a very large cocaine habit, was addicted. And she heard the chains pop off of her. And she, she did not know any other Christians, but now she knew Jesus. So she would go stand on the corners on a little orange crate and preach Jesus because she thought it was her job to win the whole world. She thought about 75 to 100 people a day would get saved when she'd go out and preach. Well, one thing about this lady, she preached like her hair was on fire, this woman. I never heard anything like it before or since. And for a year and a half, I sat under her ministry. I couldn't seem to hear anything else. I would try the churches. I would try other messages. But this woman had something that I'd never seen anywhere else. She had the actual fire of God. She had heavenly encounters to the point where the presence of God was absorbed into her. She was like a sponge. And when she came out, see, she didn't have to tell you she'd been to heaven. You knew it. I'll give you an example. Let's say one day I went, and if she was anywhere within five or six hours, I would get in the car and go. Because I knew this woman had something, and I knew I needed what she had. And I knew I wasn't seeing or hearing it anywhere else. And if I was sitting, let's say where you're sitting, as she was on the floor and she would walk towards you, you could feel the heat and the fire of God hit you. You could actually feel heat. Come on, God is real. He's not just some ethereal being way up there. We've got to come to understand who he is. One day I was listening to a, this is the olden days, I'm very old, if cassette tapes, how many remember cassette tapes? You know, <laughs> hallelujah. I'm in the car, I had a long drive home from work, <clears throat> listening to the, this cassette tape, and the fire of God was so on that I got a physical sunburn on my face, a physical red hot, my face turned red, I was on my way to this little Christian fellowship, and they said, oh, you better lay down, you, I think you have a fever. I said, you need to listen to this. <laughs> I don't have a fever. <laughs> this is fire. And I kept listening to this lady because I knew she had something and I knew I needed it. Now, just like every other, you know, kid in their 20s, I had big dreams. I had, you know, everybody has dreams, right? People say, well, if I had that, I'd be happy. If I had this career or that home or that spouse or whatever, then I'd be happy. But you know what? That happiness is very temporary, and it might even make you happy for a day or two. I used to think, well, if I was in the ministry, then I'd be happy. Well, you know what? Even if you heal the sick, even if you see God do an amazing thing, it makes you happy for about an hour. <laughs> then you have to go back to your regular life, <laughs> which isn't always easy. <laughs> Seriously. So those things are temporary. And so I was listening to this lady one day, and she was talking about something. Now, remember, sixth grade education, she said words wrong, and she would yell when she preached. And I will never forget this as long as I live. She said this thing. She said, I don't know much, but I know one thing. There's a high road to success, and it's called the walk of the Spirit. And I remember thinking, I don't even know what that is, but I'm going to spend the rest of my life find in the walk of the Spirit. And I began to pray, God, show me what that is. What does that mean? How do you do that? What is it? And that was in my late 20s. And I, I've been seeking the Lord ever since and finding more and more answers, right, about the secret place of the Most High. He who dwells, lives, abides in the secret place of the Most High, abides under the shadow of the Almighty. And what began to happen to me as I learned, it took me some years to learn, but in it, I began to learn that it was the solution to every human problem. 
that the Holy Spirit knows the answer to every problem. He's already got it figured out. Every problem in your life right now, every problem that he's, he's pulled you out of, he's got the answer before you ask. Well, God began to use me to help other people. He would give me a word, you know, because we think the problem is this, but sometimes it's that. And sometimes God would gently have me help somebody. And there was this couple, this really taught me something, this couple, and they were really in need. And by the grace of the Lord only, this is all by his grace, right? I'm not anybody, trust me. But the grace of the Lord on my life, I knew what they needed, but they didn't want my opinion because they knew better. So they're in there struggling and, you know, just their life is crumbled, but they don't want to hear what I have to say. Now, I'm telling you this for a reason. So I'm laying in bed and I'm weeping for them and I'm weeping because I know how easy it would be for them to have their solution. And I was talking to the Holy Spirit and I said, I just feel so bad. I feel like I have what they want and they don't want to hear me. They don't want my opinion. Now, there was this moment of silence and then the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, that's exactly what my people do to me. And the picture of it was, they were in their kitchen. This is just a little picture he gave me. I'm standing out on their step, looking at them through the screen door, watching them struggle, knocking on their door with the answer. But they weren't interested, and the Holy Spirit said, that's what my people do to me. In other words, people struggle for a year, find failure and difficulty, and they're weeping and they're begging God. But here's what I learned. We, and then at the end of a year, sometimes they go to God and they say, oh God, what do I do? And that's wonderful. But here's the good news. You don't have to wait a year. Minute number one, second number one. If I even think of trials, even thinking about coming, Holy Ghost, what do I do? Holy Spirit, what's up? Now, it's not something, the walk of the Spirit wasn't something that I developed instantly. I didn't even know what the words meant. But I will tell you this. I, I felt like God said, tell your story. Because what God wants is disciples that will learn how to be discipled. We love God. There's no question in my mind. You wouldn't be here if you didn't love the Lord. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have a good heart and if you weren't hungry for him. But the problem we've had is we haven't understood how to find a secret place because it's a secret, right? It's a secret unless you are one who is seeking. What did he say? He said, when you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart. God doesn't just come to your house. I wish he did. But he doesn't just come to your house and say, okay, here, let me show you how to be a disciple. Let me show you how to remove the barriers. Let me show you how to be healed of that. Let me show you how to walk in the glory and the presence. No, he waits for someone who's hungry and thirsty enough that says, I will pay any price. And I will tell you, the day I heard her say that, I, I'm telling you, somehow I knew because of the presence, not because of the woman. I don't idolize the woman. In fact, in, I'll be honest with you, in the natural, she wasn't, you know, she had some issues. We all have issues, right? But I knew one thing, what she had was the real thing. And for me, it suddenly became the pearl of great price, meaning nothing else mattered. All those things I thought I wanted, I don't care. I didn't care if I had a house, didn't have a house, got married, didn't get married, had money, didn't, I didn't care. All I cared was that's where I want to live. And what I discovered over the years, I want to share because I've seen that it's, it literally, it doesn't mean you don't have problems. It doesn't mean the devil doesn't attack you. He does that all the time. That doesn't change. But what happens is you are able to walk above it and even prevent a lot of it because you're walking in a different realm. There's a way to walk in his realm. And listen to me, whether we've understood it or not, our citizenship is in heaven. That's our realm. This is not our realm. 
we're just passing through this joint. This is a mess, this place. And you know what we do? Our outlook and our focus is so on earth things. And because of that, we're down in the dumps or we're sad or we're worried or we're scared. But that is not our realm. It takes, though, I'll be honest with you, it takes some time to shift your focus until you can see with the eyes of heaven. If you think you're broke, I assure you, if you've ever given a tithe, you're not broke. You are not broke. But your money, where's your money? It's in heaven. What did he say? Store up your treasures in heaven. Now, God, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, sometimes God teaches me through pictures, you know, like you would with a little kid. Here, here's a picture. You know? So sometimes he'll give me pictures to teach me. And so for some reason, one of the things God has talked to me, we're not talking about money today. I just want to give you some examples of heavenly places. Two of the times that I've encountered heaven, he took me to the storehouse. And I was allowed to see the storehouse. There is nothing like the storehouse of heaven. We've never had anything like it on earth. The wealth of Solomon was teeny tiny compared to the wealth of the storehouse. It's caverns that are so vast, endless, full of unimaginable treasures. And by the way, if he wants morally, he has to do is speak it. But what was interesting to me, I had two, two encounters there. And you don't ever have to believe somebody that gives you an encounter, right? You do, you do have to believe the word. But the word does say what I'm going to tell you. In these caverns, what I, what I learned on the second trip was that there's a room for every person that's born again. You have a room. You have a storehouse. I happened to be standing there. I was taken in and shown because God was trying to teach me. And what he does is he teaches me the scriptures. He shows me the thing and then he shows me in the scriptures. Then he shows me the thing and he shows me in the scriptures. Because if you have an encounter, it's not in the scriptures. You might want to dump that one. Right? right? It should be based in the scripture. But I happened to be standing one day, and it wasn't my room, right? I'm standing in the hallway looking into this beautiful cavern that's somebody's storehouse. And I see that they gave, when they gave, this beautiful ruby went up on the wall. And instantly it went into thousands of rubies into the shape of this beautiful diamond. The second they gave, their gift was multiplied. The second. That was theirs, but you know what? My people, a lot of my children are good givers, but they don't know how to receive. If that person does not understand that that belongs to them, listen, your citizenship is in heaven. All the promises of heaven are yours the second you got born again. Those promises were attached to your name legally. Legally. They belong to you. You own them. Did you know that? Do you know that you own your healing? It already... How about this scripture? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places has been given to you. You say, I used to be like this. Well, where is it? Well, it's in heavenly places. Well, how do I get it? Well, that's why faith is so important. Because faith pulls what's from heaven into earth. That's the purpose of faith. Without faith, it says it's impossible to please God. Well, I'll tell you something else. Without faith, it's impossible to pull your stuff from there to here. See, now remember I told you I was a systems analyst. And... One thing, one thing that changed my life was when I was in depression, and I'll be honest with you, I'm being brutally honest. You ever been mad at God? And we don't tell anyone, you know, God forbid we tell anyone because they might know we're not perfect. But I was mad, spitting mad because God had promised all these things and all the opposite was happening. My life was a wreck. I had lost everything. And I don't just mean financial. I mean, I had lost my family, my whole, I lost everything. And I was serving God to the best of my ability. And I'll tell you, I was pretty mad. What gives? <laughs> now, you should never do this. Don't do this. Don't ever do this. But I did it. 
I was at work one day and I was pretty mad. And I said, God, you know, I get that there's trials, but when are you ever going to help me? You know, out of frustration, not the right, don't do this. And God is, you know, God didn't fall off the throne. He didn't stop loving me. Thanks be to God. He said this to me. He said, Holly, there's something you need to get. And when you get it, we'll go on. And until you get it, we will not go on. Ooh. So the problem is me. A couple of weeks later, now I'm really seeking him. Okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? I'm standing in the hallway in my house or, or walking down the hallway, and he says, there's a system I laid out in my word, and I'm not changing it for you. Oh. Now, you're talking to a systems analyst, <laughs> so I know what a system is. A system is a process that if anybody follows it, they will get a certain result. And if there's a, a mistake in that process, they won't get the right result. Okay? There's a system he laid out in his word, and we are following another system so we don't see the result. Okay? I was following the system of, I'm in self-pity, my life is horrible, I've lost everything, you're the God of the universe, you should have compassion, you say you love me, your word says you love me, I know you have compassion, you should help me because I'm so pathetic. <laughs> Let me tell you something, I tried that for eight years, it doesn't work, because that's not the system. The system, now think about a system. How many people in here have a desktop computer? A lot of you? Well, come on now, I know you do. How many got a phone? With, and you know what an icon is? Everybody know what an icon is? The little picture. Well, we'll pretend you got a desktop. Now, in my house, my office is about eight feet from my bedroom. I walk, get up, get coffee, go in the office. I love it. But if I want to open an application on my computer, I go in, take the mouse, and put it, the cursor over the icon. I go clickety-click, and it will open. Right? If, if a five-year-old kid does that, will it open? If my 89-year-old grandmother does it, will it open? Yeah. But if I lay in bed and whine and cry and say, why don't you open that app for me, God? I just don't understand. I've been praying for eight years. Why don't you open that app? Well, there's a system, toots. You have to go in the room, move the mouse, clickety-click. So what he's trying to say is there are certain things laid out in the Word that work if we will work them. My old pastor used to say the Word will work if you work it, and I would be like, I didn't get it. What do you do? How do you do that? It took me years to get it. Probably still getting it. But what I want to say to you is this, that in the Word, God has laid out methods, and they're very much involved with having a friendship or a relationship, first and foremost with Jesus, but then with the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you why. As you know, the Father's in heaven. He's seated upon the throne. Jesus ascended and is seated at his right hand. Who's here with us? The Holy Ghost. Jesus, when he was a, still, well, he's always been alive, but when he was in his flesh on the earth, if, and even in the days of old, think about the prophets. If you wanted to know what the Holy Spirit was saying, if you wanted to know what God was saying, if you wanted the answer to a question, or you wanted to be mentored, or you wanted to be discipled, you had to physically go find a prophet. Do you know that? Do you remember the story of, of Josiah, my favorite king? Josiah, when the book of the law was lost and Israel had gone and they didn't even know the truth anymore and they were in terrible sin, right? Josiah was very young. The priest found the book of the law in the temple and he brought it out and, and they read, right, the story and Josiah tore his robes. He was so grieved. He said, we have sinned terribly. And he went on a rampage to get rid of every idol in, in Israel. And this is just a little aside. 
But I think we're supposed to do that in our lives. Idols are one of the biggest encumbrance or hindrance to, to victory. If you have anything that comes before God, burn it. I mean any dream. Oh, if I just had that. If I just, if I were just married. I love you, but if God wants you to have someone, he will bring them. And if he doesn't, don't you dare. Trust me, trust me, trust me. So he began to take out the idols, but one of the things they did, now think about this, the king, the high priest, his secretary, and somebody else that was high up, went out to find hold of the prophetess. Why in the world couldn't the high priest hear? Why couldn't the king hear? Because in the Old Testament, everyone had not been given the power of the Spirit, right? Part of the joy, one of the biggest things he gave us in the New Testament, people say, well, if you get saved, you go to heaven with you die, and when you die and you'll have a relationship with God. Well, that's good, but I'll tell you, it's so much more. That's a fraction of what he gave us. You got a whole new being and the Holy Spirit lives in you if you ask him. You can ask him to fill you, to baptize you, right? Give you the gifts of the Spirit so they're resident in you. Now, you're never alone. God is with you. See, Jesus, in, in the book of John, he was walking with his disciples. He said, he is with you, but he will be in you. You know, God talks in mysteries a lot. What do you mean he's with you? I'm standing right here, he said. I got the Holy Ghost. Think about it. The Holy Spirit in Jesus was with them, but they didn't have it for themselves. So we got, if you are baptized in the Spirit, you have your own personal virtual image of the Lord Jesus Christ with you 24-7. That you, he's your mentor. It said he'll lead and guide you into all truth. So when we have a question, we can go to say, Holy Spirit, how does that work? The Holy Spirit, whether you know it or not, is the best friend you've ever had. But we wait for years to talk to him. You know, I, I grew up with a kid that witnessed to me and I didn't want to hear it, thank you. And she was afraid of the Holy Ghost because it was like some ghosty thing. You know, so, you know, <laughs> seriously. She did later get filled with the Holy Spirit. But what I'm trying to say to you is until somebody pointed out to me that the Holy Spirit was... Jesus breathed out and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive him. Not just in you, but receive him like you would a queen or a king. You make a way for him. You make your house a habitation. Get rid of anything that would be offensive to him. Get rid of anything that he doesn't like. Nothing else matters. Because if you have him, trust me, you have everything. If you have him, you can get faith. You don't have faith, I'm telling you. If you have him, it doesn't matter what you need. It doesn't matter what you need. If you need healing, he will help you. You know, I, I've had times where I needed healing and I was doing all the stuff, you know, doing all the things I was taught to do and for some reason it wasn't working. You know what I did? Holy Ghost, what's, what's going on? He's, I said, give me a key. It took a, a couple of days, but he gave me a key and I got healed. You see, he is the solution to everything. He has every answer, but the problem we have is we haven't yet made the full connection and it takes time. I'm not gonna lie to you, it takes time. One lady I was ministering to on the phone, I said, I talked to her about that the most important thing is your relationship with God because out of that flows everything. Yeah. If you don't have that, all the form and religion and function and doing for God, it's not all that helpful. It's not. But living in him is the answer. Finding a way where you live with him and you know it. Did you know that the Bible says he who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him? Think about that. When you go to the store, you're not alone. See, you're never alone if you, if you love the Lord. If you're a Christian, you're never alone. But you can, you can ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and if you get the baptism, 
all the fruits live in you. All the gifts live in you. And people might say to you, are you a healing minister? No, but I see healing all the time. Are you a deliverance minister? Well, not really, but I see that too. Are you a preacher? Well, not really. I promise you, I was the most ill-equipped person to ever stand in a pulpit that you have ever met. I was so shy, I couldn't look a person in the eye. I couldn't, I couldn't hold a conversation with people. And then literally in school, you know how they made you stand up and give a speech? I was literally the kid throwing up. I was made fun of for humming when I was a child, so I was terrified of singing in public. I think it's hilarious that God started to make me sing in public. But see, what I found, and I, by the way, wait a minute, I went for an audition and they were like, huh, uh, no, I don't think so. And they kicked me out. You know what? One day I repented of a crummy attitude and I felt a, what felt like a scar in my chest and a different, somebody else's voice started coming out. I won't say it's perfect, but I'll tell you what, it ain't what I used to be. You know why? God has a calling for you. And if you don't have what you need, he'll give it to you. But you have to walk in a certain relationship. It's about relationship, not religion. We have to throw away, throw, please, go home, throw away the idea of I'm going to do this for God. You can't. Our flesh doesn't have the ability to do the stuff he tells us to do. And you say, well, that's terrible. You're telling me to do it, and you know I can't do it. No, that's the plan. Because he wants us to do it by grace. What is grace? His ability to do what I cannot do. His ability for me to learn how to do all the stuff I cannot do. Right? His ability to preach when I have no message, hallelujah. Or to play the keyboard. I've been places I took the keyboard and whoops, forgot my sheet music. You know what? We just made it up. Hallelujah. We didn't make it up. Not me, but him who lives in me. I can just go, oh, do you have a song? Oh, that's a good song. We were ministering yesterday in the most beautiful song, wonderful words. I, was, I am not smart enough to think of those words, but he is. You see, you have to come to a place where you know who lives in you and you become, a, you know, like... Like, you know that there's a relationship that's so strong that it doesn't matter. You see the devils do, do stuff. I'll tell you, here's a fun one. This week you say, well, doesn't the devil attack you anymore? Oh, yeah, but you know what? I'm here. Because God will always fix it. If it requires money, hallelujah. Because my focus isn't here, it's there. So I get what's mine. The only reason people struggle with finances or healing is they don't get what's theirs because their focus is here, not there. We need to change our outlook and our position. We need to understand the Bible isn't just a book of nice words to make us feel better. It is a fact. Do you know that all of heaven and earth hang on the word of God? All things are held together by the word of his power. Your body is held together. You can receive your healing. I've received a healing on that scripture alone. Your body is held together by the word of his power. If the word of his power were to fail, all of heaven would fall apart. You understand? So it's more powerful than this world or anything in this world. We have to come to understand how things work. Or we'll just be a, like the old church that tried to perform and do good and then couldn't do good and felt bad and felt condemned and thought God was mad. God is not mad. He's saying, no, I have a better way. Call upon the grace of God to do it through you. You can't do it, sweetie. See, the only, you know, the only good thing about me is I got a revelation that I had no ability. And I thought all Christians had it. The best revelation God ever gave me was, I have no ability to do this. I can't do it. But, oh, wait, you can. And if you get those two things, I'm telling you, you can do all things through Christ. He can do anything through you. Anything. I'm going to have you say, I can do all things. But it's not me. It's Christ who lives in me. By way of the Holy Spirit. 
Oh Lord, let me develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Cause me to become best friends with Him. Help me to know Him. Help me to listen to Him. Help me to ask Him my questions with an honest heart. And teach me how to hear the way He talks. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I think I'm over my time. So why don't you come up, Pastor? Thank you, Jesus. I assume when it goes negative or... I don't know about you, but I want to come back and hear some more tonight. What time is tonight? 6 p.m. Hallelujah. 6 p.m. 6 p.m. So Carmen and I will be here tonight. Uh, Everybody come back. We're going to hear more tonight. As the praise and worship team comes, when Holly was talking today, I kept hearing that God encounter. I, I was sharing I had a God encounter in Colorado. But when I was growing up in the Methodist church, I had my tags all, I, all 12 years, starting actually it's 13. Kindergarten, I never missed Sunday school. First grade, I never missed Sunday school. Second grade, every year I had my pin. I had my pin to where when I was a senior, I had 12 pins that I'd never missed Sunday school at my Methodist church. But I was a senior in high school, and I didn't have the foggiest clue who God was. Didn't have the foggiest clue. And one time, this girl invited me to a Bible study, and I started hearing things that I had never heard, and I'd been in church my whole life. Started seeing things that I had never seen, and I'd been in church my whole life. And what I noticed is both places had the same tag. Both Christian, both places had a, it was a church it had the same tag, but one had the power, and one denied the power. And brothers and sisters, saying fear in a in in a positive way is my fear is that people will be asleep in the dark, asleep in the light. My fear is that we'll have all this head knowledge about a God, but we have no heart knowledge and we have no relationship with Him. I'm telling you, I had an encounter with the Lord when I was 18 that turned me upside down and I've never been the same since. And throughout the 30 years after that, and and here's the thing, I I couldn't ever put together in my head what I was seeing. In fact, I, I saw some things. I remember going to a place and they lifted their hands and they were clapping their hands. I'd never seen that. I'd never seen that. And I, and I saw people coming and being prayed for. I'd never seen that. There were times I was in those services um, that I would get up and I would leave because it was freaking me out because I'd never seen anything like that. But when I'd walk around, I'd say, God, I don't know what's going on in there. I don't understand it with my head, but I feel you pulling me with my heart. And all I know is that what I have tagged as Christianity has been dead It's been empty, and it hasn't really done anything for me. It had a tag. But man, when I had an encounter with the Lord is when things changed. Brothers, sisters, God's not a respecter person. You can have an encounter with the Lord today.
we, we don't have to work it up. I've even been places where they said something like this and say, hey, you're going to have an encounter with the Lord and the Holy Spirit's going to touch you. And, and I went forward to participate in that because I think you have to have an openness. And I went forward and they started shaking my belly. And they started saying, oh, the Holy Ghost in your belly. Boy, they could really do it now. I got some more fat on there now. It could really roll. And they say, oh, the Holy Ghost is in your belly. Oh, the Holy Ghost is coming up your chest. It's coming up your neck. Oh, the Holy Ghost is in your neck. And, and then they try to get me to speak out what they were calling speak out in tongues. And I was just raw enough. I looked at you, them and I said, you people are a bunch of fakes. I, you, you guys are a bunch of fakes and I, I'm not having anything to do with this. And I slammed that chair and I literally I threw the chair across the room and I was a farm boy and I went out and I got with my sheep and I was confused because I had a heart that wanted God but I just didn't know how to find Him. And I was like, Lord, I want you and I'm trying to go to places. I'm trying to go because that place actually showed me something that kind of opened up something new to me but then even that can get squirrely but I was like man I want you I, I want to find you I want to I want the real thing and stuff but now I'm Lord I'm confused and all this I started being with my sheep and I started singing I exalt thee and as I was singing I started praying in the spirit just the Lord just say hey I'm going to do this for you you know, all you need to have an encounter with the Lord is just, I, I used to tell the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't understand all this stuff and I don't know all the scriptures, but keep me from the weird. And just keep, just, just give me the real. Just give me the real. If you'll humble your heart and, and, and get before the Lord and say, Lord, protect me and just give me the real. Give me the you. I just feel, oh, I just felt a relief. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I just felt a release in the Holy Spirit where people was like, oh, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I just felt that come off of you people. Man, I love the Lord. If you want the Lord and you love the Lord, I want you to tell him, God, I want you. God, I love you. I want something deeper. I want that intimate relationship with you. I want to hear your, your, your voice. I want to see your direction. I want to have that relationship that, that seems so real as Holly and Brian are talking about that. I want that. I wonder if we can sing this song. your eyes the more I find you that's true the more I find you the more I find you easy easy the more I seek you come on seek him today seek him 
Sing this with them. The more I seek you. Come on, seek him today. Seek him today. I want to know you. The more I find you. Come on now. The more I find you. You're going to find him right now. Oh, he's here. The more I love you. Sing that again. The more I seek you, the more I seek you, Lord. Come on, give him your heart. The more I find you, yes, Lord. The more I find you, the more I love. Now you're ready to sing this next part. I wanna sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your head, lay back oh. against you and breathe, feel your heart beat. This love is so deep. Do we have words? It's more words. than I can say. Hold it a second. Holly talked about laying things down today. What have you put in front of God that you need to lay down? That's seeking Him. Right now, I want you to make an altar right where you're at. If it's an attitude, if it's a sin, if it's a mindset, I want you to drop it at your feet. I want you to take that and lay it at the feet. Sing it, Sydney. The more I seek you. Come on, lay that down. I lay down my pride. I lay down my ego. The more I find you. Come on, lay it down. Lay that hang up down. Lay that habit down. Come on, lay it down. The more I love you. Come on, do it again. The more I seek you. Lord, we're seeking you. Lord, we're seeking you. The more I find you. Oh, yes, Lord. I'm finding him. The more I find you. You're finding him today. The more I love you. Now you're ready to sing this. I want to sit at your feet. Come on, do you really? Do you really want to? Sing that, I want to sing. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your head, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heart beat. This love is so deep, it's more than I can say. Randy, bring Sydney up. Stop. 
talk about him like he's not in the room. Holly was talking about that. Go ahead and sing that. Think about that. that he wanted to deal with some broken dreams and if you have a broken dream you know you know who you are and it means something that meant so much to you and you really thought it was going to happen in your life sometimes even maybe you felt God promised it to you but it seemed like the years went by and it just didn't happen or things went another way I lived in a broken dream for a long time in my life here's what I learned about God if the dream was from him, he will resurrect. If the dream was from you, he allowed it to die because he has something that's better. And so if you have a broken dream, I'm going to ask you to put that on the altar. And say, I'm giving it to you, God. If it was of you, I'm just believing you to resurrect it. And if it wasn't from you, I believe you have something better. In Jesus' name. Because a broken dream gives you a broken heart and it makes you crippled in the spirit. And you can hear us tell you what to do, but you're so broken that you can't. It's hard to function because you're seeing everything through brokenness. God wants to heal your heart. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to heal your heart. God has new things for you, but if you're, if you're broken, it's hard to receive, okay? I saw someone coming out of their past through a doorway, but I saw someone hanging in the doorway like, I just don't know if I want to be hurt anymore. I don't want to open myself up to God again because I was hurt. It's possible to feel hurt by God, even though he may have, he, he's never done anything wrong, but it's possible. And I saw someone hanging in the doorway and they'd come out of a, a long, dark season, a difficult time. And God was saying, come out into the light. I have more for you in this person I'm talking about. It was hard to come forward because, you know, no one wants to be hurt anymore. But I feel like God is saying, the faith that I'm asking of you to have is believe that I'm truly good. I only have good for you. But when you're stuck in your past, I can't give you your future. So I'm going to ask you to drop the chains of your past. Sometimes your past controls your future by making you feel like I can't move on or it's always going to be like this. I actually know a dear, dear, dear person in my life that had so many bad things happen when they were pretty bad, but she actually began to say, every time I get a little forward, then something else happens. And they were pretty bad things. But she began to believe for the bad thing to happen. 
God's saying, let me wash away all the failure. If you had a business failure, if you had a marriage failure, if you had a, a failure with one of your kids, or just even a personal type of failure, God says, I'm bigger. I have more power. Let me have more power over your heart than that thing does. Give that to me. As she was saying that, how many 